Well, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you were here last Sunday, and that was your very first Sunday here, uh, we told you we had air conditioning, and uh, now we really do have it again. Last Sunday was an interesting day. Uh, I'd say probably in 11 years here, it's the first time that... I can recall ever actually having to cancel a service, and for you, you were here, most of you, I think, for the first service uh, last Sunday, and uh, of course, we, we had to shut down a good bit of our stuff and preach without microphones and didn't have any media and that kind of stuff. Well, the second service, it got worse because the, the, uh, the folks came to work on the lines and had to shut everything down, and then they turned it back on, and just out of a safety perspective, we had to really just not operate with any power at all, and so we had no air, no microphones, no media. We had children in the dark with no air, no nothing, so we just had to decide last Sunday to shut down our whole second service. Never done that before. So that created a little bit of a dilemma for me because I had actually preached one message uh, that was in the First Corinthians series, and then the, for the second service, I didn't have a chance to do that. And so I'm thinking through the course of the week, so what do we do about this? Do we just literally leave one segment of our, of our church uh, completely out of the loop and uh, you know, just not even do the message? We didn't have it online because we didn't have the capacity to be able to record it. Or do I just do something different? So we're doing something different. So for you, you're getting a freebie today. Isn't that good? You come to church, you get a freebie. You're getting an extra message as though you're thinking, yes, a freebie from Brooks. I can't wait. Uh, uh, and so this is an extra message out of the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 4 again. And what we're going to focus on is a, a specific verse. We'll get there in just a moment. A specific verse that, that you could really unpack for a lot longer than, than, than just the 30 minutes that we have together this morning. So one of the beauties of God's Word specifically is that whenever you look at a passage of scripture, as you dig in, you could go a lot of different directions in regards to the application of a, of, of, of a passage. And uh, so thankfully, you're, you really, we're never dry in regards to what to present whenever God's word is the material we're dealing with. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we're going to be specifically uh, this morning. Let me give you a little bit of a recap of what we looked at last Sunday. If you uh, were not here, this will catch you up to speed of what we looked at leading into chapter 4. Uh, if you... Uh, uh, if you want to listen to that specific message, I'll be preaching it, as I said, in the second service, and it'll be online later this week as well, this message as well. What we looked at last Sunday was really a focus on two specific verses at the very beginning of chapter 4. In fact, let's just go ahead and bring those verses up. It's chapter 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. We'll have those in just a second. But I looked at a message specifically coming out of chapter 3 into chapter 2, or chapter 4. What we looked at in these first two verses were what it means for a person to understand uh, uh, the whole concept of being a follower of Christ, uh, that we are servants, that we are, uh, and the Bible is very clear as we look at just a second, that we are servants of Christ, uh, that we are as well stewards. And we unpacked all of that last Sunday. In fact, let me just go ahead and read these first two verses we looked at as a recap of last Sunday. It says in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, Paul says, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. And what we looked at last Sunday was that word uh, servants is a specific Greek word. Uh, it, it's, it's huparetes, which means under rower. And what we unpacked was that there was a specific person in uh, Greek culture that was an under rower. They, they often worked uh, uh, on the, uh, the Roman warships. They were the bottom level. They were the lowest of low. They were often the galley slaves. And their responsibility was to just row. That was the whole title of the message last Sunday was just row. And whenever Paul uh, looks at himself, he doesn't look at himself as a star. You know, we don't need any more stars in Christianity. What we need are servants. And Paul says, hey, listen, when I was with you, 
I wasn't a star, I was just a servant. I was an under rower. I did what God called me to do. I, I was the one who was faithful. He says that I, I was additionally a steward. A steward is a, basically a, a slave or a servant who's been proving himself in regards to his integrity. And so Paul says, I was a steward. I was, a, uh, I was trustworthy. I was uh, honorable. I was a man of integrity amongst you. And he lays out for us a picture in those first two verses of chapter 4. For those of us that are Christians, he lays out what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. Now, some of you are here, and you're saying, I'm just beginning to check out what it means to follow Christ. I'm not there yet. I'm still examining this. Never really been in church. Never really read the Bible. Just now beginning to get into it. Uh, Understand that when we talk about what it means to be a servant, what it means to be a a, a steward uh, of the mysteries of God, a steward of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, that's what it means, is that when you become a follower of Christ, Christ, as you begin to unpack what it looks like to follow Jesus, you you follow him not as a star, but as a servant. And you exhibit the qualities of Christ, and you begin to serve people in the same way that Jesus did. So that's what we unpacked last Sunday. We began to look at what all that meant. And, uh, And so Paul was so clear specifically regarding the qualities of the follower of Jesus. Servant, steward, not a star. Well, this Sunday, I want, I want us to, to jump into another specific verse in chapter 4. I want us to look at a message entitled, Imitate. And what we're going to look at is a verse that comes right out of that same passage of Scripture that we looked at. It's going to come out of verse 16. We're going to get there in just a second. But I want us to look at a statement that Paul makes that is just surprising, really. It's, 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 it's amazing that Paul would even make this statement. And we're going to find it here in chapter 4. So a message entitled this morning, imitate. Is there a difference between impersonating and imitating? You know, I thought about that this week. Is, it a, is there a difference between impersonating someone and imitating someone? So what I did was I went to the dictionary and actually looked at the definitions. This is interesting to me. Listen to the definition of impersonate. It says to act the character of. The key word there is the word act, to act the character of. That's what it means to impersonate. If someone does an impersonation, you may remember, you know, different comedians and different people that have done impersonations. They, they've, they've taken on the character of that person. Now, they don't go on the rest of their life acting like that person. It was at one moment in time. Uh, uh, Rich Little, when I was a kid, he was a guy that was kind of famous for that. There have been a lot of other different ones. A lot of comedians have done different people. But when you think about impersonating, it's just for that segment in time that they impersonate. They act the character of that person. But listen to what it says to imitate. To imitate means to follow as a model or an example. So when you look at the difference between impersonating and imitating, there is a huge difference. To impersonate means, oh, you just take on the quality of someone for a moment in time. You act like them. But to truly imitate someone, it means not that you act like them for a moment, but you begin to follow. It's actually that same word, follow. You follow their example. You follow the qualities that you see demonstrated in their life. So for those of us who are believers, for those of us that are followers of Christ, here's what question we have to deal with. Does God want us merely to impersonate Christ to, to act like him at certain segments in our lives, certain segments in our, in our week, certain segments in our day? Does he just want us to impersonate Jesus Christ, or does he want us to genuinely imitate him, to follow his leadership? And there's a huge difference between the two. In fact, if you were to ask those who are outside of the church, those who don't have a relationship with God, if you were to ask them, hey, be honest for just a second, would you say those that you know who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus, who, uh, who have a relationship with God, would you tend to say, as you know them, that they impersonate Christ or that they imitate Christ? Would you say they just sort of act like him on occasion? 
or that they genuinely follow him. I think what most of the world would say is that for those who claim to have a relationship with Christ, I think the world mainly would say churches are filled with a bunch of impersonators. A bunch of impersonators. We act like Jesus at certain segments of our week, but by and large, we're not imitating him. We're not taking on the qualities of Christ when life gets hard. We're not treating people the way Paul would use himself as an example of here in just a moment. We're not treating people in a way that Jesus would have treated them. It's as though we put on the mask. We're acting like Jesus. Typically, Sunday morning, 9 to noon, is one of the biggest times we do that. And what the world doesn't need is a bunch of imposters, a bunch of impersonators of those who, who put on an act to, to show for a segment of time what Jesus looks like. What the world needs are those who imitate Christ, imitate the qualities of Jesus, who take on the characteristics that Christ demonstrated, not being some super people, but letting God through his Holy Spirit live his life through us. That's what the world needs. So there's a question I want you to really wrestle with this morning. If there would be one thing I hope to gain out of this 30 minutes together, the question would be this. Would you say that as if people were to follow you, if they were to follow you, would you say that they would end up closer to Christ or further from him? If people were to genuinely imitate your life, if they didn't have a Bible to read, if they didn't have a church to go to, if they didn't have a way to know who Christ was, if all they had at their disposal was to imitate what they see in you, to follow you, to imitate you, to follow your example, would they end up closer to Christ in their life or would they end up further away? And I'm not talking just during Sunday mornings. What I'm talking about specifically is, let's just start at home. How about your spouse? If your spouse didn't have an opportunity to go to church, they didn't have an opportunity to open up the Bible, if they had no, mean, no, no uh, Christian music, they had no other source of any Christian influence except you and your life, would they end up, if they followed and imitated you, would they end up, by and large, closer to Christ, demonstrating more of his qualities, or further from him, demonstrating less of his qualities? Let's move it on to the kids, to the children. If God has, has, uh, has given you a, a, a family, if he's given you children, what about them? If they followed you, would they end up closer to Christ or further from him? What about your coworkers? What about your boss? What about those under your authority? What about those in your neighborhood, those on your cul-de-sac, the people who are in the same places where you go on Friday night? What about those people? Every single person is open to your influence. It doesn't matter who they are or where they are or what you're doing at the time. Every person that you and I cross paths with are people that are open to the influence of our lives. And we have to ask this question as believers, and the church sadly hasn't asked it nearly enough. We have to ask this question, if people followed me specifically, would they end up closer to Jesus Christ or further from him? And I believe that's exactly what Paul is getting at here in chapter 4. We're going to look at a specific verse that he has here. So turn with me, chapter 4 if you haven't already, verse 16. We've already gone over much of this passage up to this point last Sunday for you. And so let me just pull out one verse specifically and camp there for a little bit this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul makes an amazing statement. He says in verse 16, Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me, Paul says. He says, I exhort you, be imitators 
of me. Yes, Paul said exactly what we think he said. He planted his feet, and in this letter to the people in the city of Corinth, he said, here's what I want you to do. Listen to everything that, you, that you've heard me say. You're not going to lay your eyes on Jesus Christ. He's already come. He's already been, been crucified. He's already been buried. He's already risen from the dead. He's already ascended to the Father. He said, you are not going to lay your eyes on Jesus Christ. He said, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at my life. You, you, you know who I am. You've met me. I want you to follow me, imitate me, be an imitator of me. That's what Paul says. That is an amazing statement because for me, there are people, he says the same thing in chapter 11 as you can see there. He says, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. He says it twice in this letter. And that's humbling to me because there are some people that I would not want to stand in front of at times in my life and say, why don't you just imitate me? That would have been a grease fire for me to have done that at certain times, certain segments in front. Why don't you just do as I, why don't you imitate me? And we can't take the, the, the back road out and say, oh, do as I say, not as I do. Now, that's a cop-out. I don't know where that came up. That's just an easy way out. God doesn't see that as, a, as an out for us, however. And so Paul says, he says it twice in this letter, he says, you imitate me. You follow me. You follow my example. And it says, though, he's the leader at the front of the line. And he says, hey, listen, you're going to be just fine. You're going to end up closer to Christ. You're going to be more like him if you just imitate me. Now, there are other places that, uh, other places that he says this. In fact, let, let's see. Do we have, I don't know if we've got everything running on the overhead. First Thessalonians chapter 1. Do we have that passage there? Good, we're up and running. Look at what he says here. First Thessalonians chapter 1, another letter that Paul writes. He says, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in numerous places, he says, imitate me. In fact, look, look at what he says in First Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's just go one more passage up. First Thessalonians chapter 2. He speaks of the need for us to imitate churches. Can we bring, are we having issues, I think, with our PowerPoint stuff going on? First Thessalonians chapter 2. Listen to what he says. I'll turn there, thankfully. I've got my copy of God's word here. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Listen to what Paul says as he says to imitate churches. This is an amazing thought for us to be able to, 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 uh, to fathom as a, as a group of believers. He says, verse 14, 1 Thessalonians 2, he says, you brethren became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. In other words, Paul can take a whole collection of churches of followers of Christ and tell other people, why don't you just follow their example? What an amazing thing to be said about a group of people who are followers of Christ, to, to treat them as examples of what it looks like to walk with God. And to take a whole collection of believers and say, you just, just follow them. <laughs> what if people could say that about this church? What if, what if others in this city could say, you know, there's a church out on the island, First Baptist of the Islands. They're not the only one, but, but, but if you want, just follow them. Churches, just, just kind of do what they're doing, and you're going to be a lot more like Christ. What if that could be said? Could that be said and be said accurately? And so Paul goes here on many, in many different ways, the whole concept of imitating. And, and it's interesting because he has no issue, no problem pointing people to look at other people as to what a, the life of Christ looks like. You know some folks in your life, they may be in your workplace, they may be in your family, they don't know how to get started with God. We've got a class starting up next session, 1045. If you're brand new to the faith, I mean brand new, you're a blank slate, you're just now beginning to wonder what does God even want with me? Who is God? What is the Bible all about? If you're really just hungry to know more, we've got a class called Starting Point. There's an orientation next session. Uh, info's in your bulletin. But you know people just like that. 
And they don't know how to get started with God. They don't know how to open up the Bible the way that you do. They don't know how to read and to be able to understand the way that you do. And they're not ready to begin to pattern themselves after the life of Christ. They're just not there yet. But they're ready to pattern themselves after you. (laughs) They can't lean on him. They don't know how. But they can lean on you as you lean on him for them. Does that make sense? And Paul understood that concept. And sadly what happens is there there are a lot of believers in in churches just like this one. A lot of believers. It's not even on their radar. Christianity is about punching a clock 9 to 12 on a Sunday morning. Maybe, if, if it's ramped up a little bit, maybe a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. But really, those are the segments. After Maybe crack open the Bible a couple times during the week. Every now and then, listen to a Christian song, kind of get you fixed just a little bit. And that's really about it. For, for, for most Christians, I'd be willing to say, in this country, because we face such limited hardship for our faith. Other countries, it's not the same. But here in this country, I would say for the vast majority of believers, living their life, as an example, as a pattern to be imitated by others, nothing they've ever even considered before. Just keep me comfortable. Just give me music I like. Just tell me stuff to make me feel good. Just, just, just keep me comfortable, and that's really all I'm looking for in my Christian faith. The whole thought of being an imitate, one who can be imitated in suffering, in hardship, in tests of faith, in the good times, the hard times, the bad times, everything in between, not even on the radar. So why is that? And we wonder why our communities aren't reached. <laughs> why, why, why is that? Why is it that so few Christians can say, imitate me? Hey, let me just give you a couple reasons. Here, here's one. Because there's no separation from the world in their life. No separation from the world. And we can't say, imitate me, because there's too much stuff in me that doesn't need to be followed. And I'm not talking about the normal, hey, I'm growing as a believer. I got a couple of rough spots here. God's going to mold and shape and, 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 uh, and, and move those things out of my life. God's going to work with me. He's going to grow me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the instances where we as believers who should by now be mature in our faith because we've known Christ for a year, two years, five years, ten years, three or four decades. That's what I'm talking about. Those of us who are there that have areas of our lives where we just determine this is what I'm going to do, and I don't care what other people think, and I don't care if it causes another to stumble, and I certainly don't care what the Bible has to say about it. This is what I'm going to do. That's, that's what I'm talking about. And that's why many believers cannot afford to have another person imitate their life. It's because there's been no separation of the world, separation from the world. They still go to the same places they used to when God wasn't even on the radar, still living their lives in the same way before they even had a relationship with Christ. Still making the same decisions, motivated by the same things that one day are going to burn up or leave them dry and empty. Still living life the same old way, very minimal changes except to their Sunday schedule. They don't get to sleep in anymore. Now they've got to go to church. That's kind of the mentality. And there's lives that are being lived by Christians that are filling seats just like in this church today all over this country. Who are, Their lives are not worthy to be followed. If another person followed them, they would not end up closer to Christ. They would end up more confused. They would end up more hurt. They would end up ultimately damaged as a result and further from Christ as a result of following that individual who claims to be a follower themselves of Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's no separation from the world. Still do the same old stuff on Friday night. Still say the same old stuff and tell the same old stupid jokes at work. There's no difference. Their Facebook page looks no different from the person who doesn't even claim to have a relationship with God. That's the world we live in in Christian circles today. And we wonder why. Why the world is not reached. And we, from time to time, throw out these prayers. Oh, God, uh, I just want people to pray for my friend that they'd come to know Jesus. 
do you really want to pray that at times? There have been times that if I prayed that, God would move me out the way because I was the stumbling block. (laughs) Paul says, imitate me. Hey, you want to look for someone to follow? Follow me, that's what Paul says. Separation from the world. He says, I have become all things to all people. I've become all things to all people. You will not, Paul could say, you will not find a stumbling block in this life. You will not find it. Paul would say that. <laughs> so imitate me. I think there's a second reason why many of us as Christians cannot afford for people to imitate us and end up closer to Christ is because there's no extreme faith in God there's no extreme faith in God we have come to a place in our lives where the Christian life is so let's just be honest boring we've quit trusting God for the magnificent you know what when we read the Bible this is what I love about folks if I could teach one class one small group in my life for the rest of my life you know what class it would be it wouldn't be the ones that have been in there it it wouldn't it would not be those who have been in relationship with God for 20 30 40 years it would not be those who probably have quit asking questions therefore have quit thinking in regards to their relationship with God I would take the ones who don't know him but are hungry are those who are just getting started the Christian life. They don't know much at all, but man, they are on fire and hungry. They'll storm hell with a water pistol if you just cut them loose and show them which way to go. That's the group I'd want to be with. Because that's the group that is willing to take Scripture at its word. And for many of us who have grown mature in our faith, what has happened is that we have quit trusting God. We have quit demonstrating extreme faith. We have forgotten the fact that God is a God who splits seas in half. We have forgotten the fact that God is a God who casts demons and shows his authority over everything in creation. We have forgotten the fact that God is the one who heals diseases. God is the one who takes people's ears that got cut off with a sword, read the Gospels, and puts them back on again. We have forgotten all of that. And we live as though God only must fit within our own simple little box that we can understand. And if we can't understand it, then it must not be of God. And if we can't explain it, then it must not be of God. I had a conversation two weeks ago with Jehovah's Witnesses standing on my doorstep. And what I would summarize that conversation is, is that because things that they cannot understand that are in Scripture, such as the Trinity, if they cannot understand it, cannot explain it, then they redefine it in a way that they can understand it and can explain it, whether it's wrong or not. And we've quit trusting God as a God who responds to extreme faith. Paul says, as one who had extreme faith, hey, if you want to to know what faith looks like, follow me. (laughs) Imitate me. Not only am I separated from the world and I live a life wholly and completely surrendered to Christ, I don't just sing it in a chorus, I live it every day of my life, even if it takes a beating Paul says, this is what I demonstrate. I am a follower of Christ. Imitate me. I am separated from the world. But at the same time, he could say, follow me, because I have extreme and utter faith that God will do whatever he desires to do in my life as I'm yielded to him. And so we look at the average church comprised of the average Christian today. And what you find in most are churches that are ineffective, plateaued at best, dying at worst, reaching very few, including their own communities, dying on the vine while most of the people are unseparated from the world and have long since quit demonstrating extreme faith. Even though God 
has not changed one bit since the days that he wrote this book that you hold in your lap. Paul says, imitate me. So let's ask some hard questions. And I want you to chew on these questions because I think they're worthy of um, being digested by those of us who know Jesus. The first question I've already asked you, if someone followed your example, would they end up closer to or further from Jesus? If they followed your example, would they end up closer to or further from Christ? If they ended up further from Christ, chew on this for a second, why is that? If you say, oh, I'm not, hey, I'm no Apostle Paul. We're not at it. None of us are. <laughs> but if you would say in the honesty of your own heart, I can't say to people, imitate me, because they would end up further from Christ instead of closer to, then why is that? You've got to deal with that. You have got to address that issue. If it's your coworkers, why is that? Do you have, any, do you have issues at work? Of, of lack of self-control or you fly off the handle you have anger you, you don't respect others you don't respect authority you're always complaining behind the bosses but why is that why is it that if at work they will end up further from christ at a closer why is that you got to deal with that why is it at home is it because you treat your spouse like a servant and treat yourself like the king or queen <laughs> and there are issues with that in scripture what about with your kids do you set a bar so far and above and high uh, over their heads that they can't possibly attain to and you're constantly berating them, beating them down, discouraging them. And you know that if they imitate you, they're going to become that same type of person in, towards everyone else in their life. You've you got to address that. You got, I've got to deal with those kinds of things in my own life. We, we can't just coast and say, you know, I'm fine, I'm good. 9 to 12 on Sundays, I'm always there, I'm always at the church. It's not what Paul's talking about. So if people are going to end up further from you, or further from Christ, why is that? Let me ask another hard question for us to wrestle with. Would you be comfortable being set forth as a public example for others to follow as an example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus? If we were to come to you and say, hey, we need an example in our student service revolution on, on Wednesday night. We're going to have probably 85, 90 students that are there, middle and high school, and we just need you as an example. It's going to fit perfect. We're going to set you up on the platform there in the Student Worship Center, and we're going to let them know that, hey, we're going to tell all about you, and we're going to put you up there, and we're going to say, now this is the person that you need to follow, and if you follow them, you're going to be a whole lot more Jesus, like Christ as a result. Would you be comfortable? Would you be comfortable with me using you as an example in a Sunday morning message and saying, hey, when we look at what it means to be a follower of Christ, right here, here they are, follow this person, you're going to end up more like Jesus than you ever could have imagined. Would you, would you be comfortable with that? If you say, no, 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 and it's not about being shy or being an intro, I'm not talking about that. If you say, no, you could never use me as an example. You could never put me in front of, of students. You could never put me in front of children because I know what Jesus says. If anyone causes even one of these little children to, to stumble, then it'd be better for them to have a heavy stone hung across their neck and tossed into the deepest part of the sea. You see, Scripture takes it very seriously when we cause other people to stumble. Jesus did, Paul did, Romans chapter 14. It's a big deal to live a life worthy of imitation. And if you say, just as a, as a little check here, no, you don't ever put me up in front of others. You don't want people following me and expecting to end up closer to Christ. Why is that? Is it because there's no separation from the world? Oh, there are certain things in my life. There are certain activities I like to partake in. There are certain places I like to go, certain things I like to do. And, and I know that if people saw that in me or if they only knew that, 
that they would be stumbling in their walk with Christ. They would end up worse off, further from, not closer to. Then what are you going to do about that? Because that has to be dealt with as believers. That has to be addressed. That cannot be negated. It cannot be explained away. And it cannot be ignored if we expect to live a life worthy of imitation. If we expect to live a life that others are going to be able to follow in the same manner that Paul said, raising his hand, so to speak, follow me and you'll be just fine. <laughs> maybe, for, maybe for some... There's just a feet planted, neck stiffened, chin held high defiance that says, this is my life, and I am free in Christ, and I don't care what others think about it. I don't care who stumbles. I'm just going to live the way I choose to live. Don't question my walk with God, even if there are areas of disobedience. That's a scary, that is a scary mentality. <laughs> because what that says is, well, help me to understand this. Would that not be idolatry? The first of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandments number two through ten, you cannot break them, lying, stealing, committing adultery, whatever they are. You can't break commandments two through, through ten without first breaking the first one. Because every sin is traced back to putting something before God and if there's any area of our lives that causes us to not be able to say imitate me follow me you'll be closer to him as a result you'll be just fine if we cannot say that and it's because there are areas of our lives that we're unwilling to change or to address or to confront knowing that we'll be better off and more obedient as a result of it then that's an issue of idolatry in our lives there is no other fancy word to put to it if it's an area of, oh, Brooks, I haven't really known Christ for very long. I'm just growing, but man, I'm hungry. And I, I'm really seeking to pursue after Christ. I learn every day there are more areas that need to be addressed. You know what? I do too, and I've known Jesus a long time. And I'm as far from perfect as anybody probably further in this building this morning. It's not an issue of I'm a new believer and I'm just learning this walk. It's not that. I'm talking about those who've known Christ long enough and do not live lives worthy of imitation because there are idols in your life that matter more to you than leading another person closer to Christ. That's what I'm talking about. And for Paul, I'm sorry, but they just were not there. <laughs> he was separated from the world. He was fully devoted to Christ. He was a man of extreme faith. And he says to us what we should be able to say. And I believe it's summarized in the one principle I want you to see out of this message this morning. And the principle is this that others should be able to follow Christ <clears throat> by following us. People in your family should be able to follow. I'm not saying they're going to be saved by following you. Don't, you. I'm not saying that. I'm saying people should be able to follow Christ. Those in your family, your spouse, your children, your extended family, your co-workers, those that you navigate, those on your campus, those in your circles of influence, those at the gym where you go, people that you know, people that you hang with, strangers that watch you from a distance, they should be able to follow Christ by following you. And the same for me. They should be able to, I should be able to follow Christ by following you. There's no difference between the two of us. Paul says, it's all about imitating not impersonating. No, it's not an act. <laughs> we don't put on an act 
so that we can feel good about our relationship with God. No, we imitate. Imitating means to follow. And so I hope as you look through these questions, I hope that for you, the understanding would be that I cannot afford to live any other life except that one fully yielded to Christ. So that those who look at me, those whom I meet, those who may desire to know him more closely, that if they were to follow me, they would end up where God wants them. How do I do that? There's an application. I hope you'll think this through. That every single time you look in the mirror, not only are you looking there to see if your hair is right, your makeup's good, and everything's you know, the way it needs to be presentable as you make your way out for the day, but I hope that as you look into that mirror every day, every time, that you'll take a moment not just to look at the outside, but that you'll just look at the inside. And that you'll be able to pray. Listen to what it says here in Psalm chapter 19, what David says. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. Don't turn there, jot it down, just listen. Psalm 19, verse 14. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, if the meditations of our heart are right and the words of our lips are right, then the direction of our life is going to be right as well. Because what we sense and feel in our heart, what we speak with our lips that influences others, if it's yielded to Christ and acceptable to God, it will lead others. As you lead a life worthy of imitation, it will lead others closer to, not further from, the Savior who gave everything for you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that your word convinces us of your great love for us. Lord, I thank you that your word convinces us that through Christ we have everything we need to live a life that pleases you, to live a life that puts you on display. Lord, there's nothing that I've said today that negates the fact that you love us unconditionally, that as believers and followers of Jesus, if we choose to live a life that brings you dishonor. Lord, if we truly have a relationship with you, you still accept us. Your acceptance of us depends on what Jesus has appropriated to us, not on how good we are. None of that changes. But Lord, at the same time, that does not take the importance out of living a life that is yielded to you. Lord, there is much at stake. And Lord, the bottom line is that there are people who watch us because they know who we claim to follow. Lord, there are family members, there are friends, there are neighbors, there are co-workers, there are total strangers who know who we are because of our affiliation and identification with Jesus Christ. And Lord, the way we live our lives is of utmost importance. You don't love us less if we fall short. You don't love us more if we do better. Lord, you love us unconditionally. We know this. But God, there is a very high cost to living a life that is not worthy of imitation. One of the highest of costs is that others could be led astray. Others could have stumbling blocks that they will need to climb over before they are ready to follow you because of what they've seen in us. And so, Lord, may us not help us to, to not lead a life where there are secret little closets tucked away, where we're doing certain things, even in our own spare time, Lord, that if anyone ever asked us the details of our lives, Lord, where we would have to dream up the most fabricated lie we could think of, 
because the truth would just be too hurtful. Lord, help us not to be that way. Help us to be authentic. Help us to be genuine. And though, yes, we have a long way to go to be like Christ, may we be yielded that you might make us who you want us to be and that others could follow us and get to you just fine. And Lord, thank you for the boldness of someone like Paul who didn't see it as blasphemy to say, imitate me. Lord, he knew who the Savior was. It's Jesus. But he also knew his life was separate from the world, that he trusted you with all his heart. And Lord, may we settle for nothing less in our own walks with you. God, for those who don't know Jesus today, Lord, I pray that today they've not heard a bunch of hoops to jump through to get to you. Lord, it all starts and it all ends with a life that's yielded to Jesus. Lord, you're the one that makes changes, and it's as we work in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, Lord, you bring change to our lives. And for those, of, those who are here this morning that have never trusted Christ, they don't know the joy of being forgiven before a God who, 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 uh, who one day will judge. They, they don't know the beauty of what it means to be in relationship with the one who made them, to be in relationship with one who, who works all things out for good. Lord, for those that have never made that choice to turn to Christ, I pray that today, right where they sit, that they would make the best decision they'll ever make, and that's to ask Jesus himself to forgive them and to take over their life. And so God, bless the decisions we have to make. Lord, I almost regret that I won't be preaching this message a second time because it's one I believe that we all need to be reminded of, every one of us. And so may we be faithful to follow where you lead. Father, we thank you for what you'll do through the life that's yielded to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless.